This is an exclusive presentation of WoWo 1190 AM and 107.5 FM, Unholstered, a podcast giving you an in-depth look at all the stories, events, and topics that show how our officers serve and fight for our community every single day. And here are your hosts. Good morning, WoWo land. Welcome back to another edition of Unholstered. I'm one of your hosts, Kayla Blakesley. I uh, host a radio program here in Fort Wayne, Indiana, Monday through Friday on the weekends. Uh, I help host this show alongside Sophia. Good morning, everyone. I'm Sophia Rosales-Catina, captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department, and welcome to the show Unholstered. I want to get right to it, Sophia. Uh, last week's episode, uh, we were talking about guns, uh, particularly as they pertain to self-defense and gun ownership if you are a first-time gun owner. Um, and we had on an outstanding firearms and self-defense expert. In fact, if you missed that one, please go listen to the podcast. I think it might be my favorite episode thus far, although I've enjoyed all of them. Um, but we're going to continue having that conversation today just with you. We didn't bring in a guest for this one. I mean, really, we don't need to. You have all of the answers of the questions that I at least I know I have. But just kind of want to set the record straight today when it comes to laws of being a gun owner, specifically in Indiana. Um, I want to talk about gun show loopholes. I know there's a lot of questions about that. Uh, there's a lot of questions of can you travel across state lines, constitutional carry versus other, you know, permits. And there's just there's really a lot to sort through. So I don't know. I'm going to ask you, where where do you even want to start with all that? Right. There's a lot to get in at a 27 minute show, but we will try to do our <laughs> best. So I think first off, we probably should start with licensing because in, you don't while you don't need a license to purchase a handgun, you do need a license to carry a handgun. Mm -hmm. So if your intent is just to have that firearm in your home uh, for home and uh, protection for your, you and your family while you're at home, you do not need a license to do that. Uh, however, you do need a license if you're going to take that gun anywhere off your premises. So, for instance, um, I'm going to just to take this when I go to the mall for self-protection. You do need a license to do that. So what you'll have to do is you'll go to our website, fwpd.org, and there is a section there on how to obtain, obtain a gun license. Just click on that. It'll walk you through all the steps. They are free in the state of Indiana. The only thing you have to pay for are the fingerprints. Um, but these are taking a little bit of time. There's been a huge influx mm -hmm. of people trying to obtain their carry permit. Um, but I've heard they're kind of knocking back that time. You're getting it anywhere between 6 and 12 weeks is what I've heard is coming back. Is that just because of the political climate right now, or is that seasonal influx? I mean, how, how does that work? Well, I think it's a has to do with a lot of things. I think, you know, people see crime, they're fearful. Yeah. Um, they want to get a gun for self-protection, which is fine. Uh, but like on the last show, we really want you to know how to use that weapon and know what your rights are and know what your responsibilities are as a gun owner. So uh, I think it has to do a lot about that. And then, you know, just the political climate as well. I mean, you know, yeah. you hear, well, they're going to take guns away and people are going out and getting their licenses and getting the lifetime permits. Well, just like toilet paper, ammo's been hard to <laughs> right. find, it's you know? It's been extremely hard to find. And when you do find it, it's rather expensive. Yep. So, you know, it's one of those things where you just got to kind of roll with it. And, no um, pun intended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, see what happens. So, but do obtain that license if you plan to carry that gun off your premises. Can you talk a little bit about the different licensing? Because I also know there's a, a lifetime permit versus that concealed permit. Like, what's the difference between all of the licenses? So there's really not much of a difference other than one expires and one doesn't. So um, your traditional license, I believe, is good. Uh, gosh, I'm, you're putting me on a, oh, a limb sorry. here. Because no one ever <laughs> asks me about that license because no one ever gets it. Wait, I was going to say, well, uh, hypothetically here, I, for example, I actually did just purchase uh, a Glock 43 about six months ago. Yeah. Um, I do have intention of carrying it outside of my home, haven't got licensed 
licensed yet, but I might as well just get the lifetime. I would encourage right? everyone just to get the lifetime yeah. permit. Okay. Yeah, it's just it, it, I think it, well they're all free now, so there's right. no sense in going through the process again. Um, so you may as well get the li- lifetime if you can get that. In terms of Indiana, uh, let's just go ahead and, and say I have my concealed permit and I'm driving across state lines. I'm from Pennsylvania and I have my gun with me and I'm driving from Indiana to Pennsylvania. How does that work? So every state is different. There's reciprocity laws that Indiana uh, permits are... you know, observed in other other states. I mean, you'll have to check state by state. There's certain states so you can't that have, buy like a license that's like, hey, this works. There, there are some that you can like. They're, with, they're good in Indiana. They're good in Utah and okay. all that kind of stuff. There are some like that, but most states will honor your gun permit. But if you just go do a quick Google search on gun reciprocity laws, and then it'll give you a map of the entire United States, and it'll tell you what states are um, honoring other states' gun permits. And then obviously, same thing. You can't fly. You can't have your firearm if you're hopping on a plane or anything like that. So you can take a firearm on a plane, but you do have to check it in your bag. It has to be locked. It has to be declared. Um, but it cannot go with you gotcha, as right? carry-on. Okay. So it can go in your luggage. Yeah. So when you're, if like, I'm going to go take a shooting class in another state, I can take that firearm, but it has to be in a locked suitcase, and I have to declare that. What about, okay, I'm making that drive from mm-hmm. Indiana to Pennsylvania, what if I get pulled over in Ohio and I I do have my firearm obviously with me? So this is, you know, a thing where uh, I, as an officer, appreciate when people tell me that they're armed, uh, but it is not legally required in the state of Indiana. so I don't have to. You don't have to tell them. You know, I always appreciate that as an officer, but at the same time, I'm always going to be careful whether you tell me or not that you're armed, because just because you tell me does not mean you're not still not a threat to me. So, um... I, I, while I do appreciate that, I'm still going to take precautions on my end. Do you always treat when you say you pull over someone or you are arriving on a scene, do you always treat it as if folks are armed? I always treat it as folks are huh. armed. I do. It's just, a, you know, I've had experiences where I walked in on um, houses or apartments, in particular an apartment that I was in with a partner, and we knocked on the door and we were met with gunfire through the door. So we hadn't even announced <laughs> that we were there, we just knocked on the door and we had gunshots ringing through the door. So I, uh, since that day, you know, I've had just extra awareness of every call I go to. I don't stand in front of doors. I'm always watching where my exit points are. You know, the, things like that. These are things that most officers do anyway. I said, do you do that in your civilian life? I mean, that would be something hard to just kick. Like, oh, I only do it when I'm in uniform. I do. I, I tend to do most of the things I just just carry over by habit. Yeah. Yeah. Which is obviously probably a good thing. Yeah, but, but people think I'm weird. So not 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 me, not this gal. I don't think you're yeah, weird at all. Yeah. I feel like you're you're someone I want to like go to the zoo with or go to the mall with. Right? Like, yeah. yeah. My Got kids you. are like, mom. My, you know, they're 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 good too. And like, mom, that's mom's seat. Don't sit there. You know. So what other misconceptions do you feel that people might have about firearms or gun laws in Indiana, or maybe that you do run into in your line of work? Well, I think most of the time, you know, people just aren't aware of how many laws we actually have. You know, in in preparing for the show, I was, you know, Googling some things. I wanted to make sure I was accurate in what I was going to say and making sure that um, I I was going to give um, the right information. And, you know, there really are a lot of gun laws on the books. Um, I don't think people realize that. No, sometimes, I didn't realize that. Sometimes we're like, we get into this thing, we're buying into the media thing that, that well, we need more gun laws. I'm like, well, we need to just enforce the ones we have or make the penalties more severe, whatever you know, the legislature decides to do whatever the people want. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
you know, there's just a lot of misinformation when it comes to if a gun's semi-automatic, what's an automatic. Okay, can we talk about that? Because yeah. I run into that a lot on my program uh, here on WoWo, especially especially with this current administration. Right. Um, and I, I'm not getting political here, but President Biden came out with a semi-automatics ban. And then there was this whole stink about, well, what weapons are technically semi-automatic versus automatic firearms. Can you kind of break that down a little bit for us? Yeah, so, I mean... Semi-automatic is one pull of the trigger for one bullet. Mm -hmm. An automatic weapon is you pull the trigger once and multiple bullets come out. So automatic guns are banned for the most part right. in the United States. You have to have special licensing for that. And they have that. been since like the 50s, they, right? Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. So I think people are under the impression that because, and, and I'll use, uh, you know, for instance, the AR-15, mm-hmm. that seems to be what most people are really up in arms about. And it really is just a larger handgun, yeah. like the one I carry. It's it's one pull of the trigger for one bullet. Now, does it have a larger magazine? Yes, it does. Uh, we carry those. Every officer is equipped with that in their squad car. Um, we've had to increase our fire power. And it's not that they're more powerful, but it's just they have more ammunition. They go longer range. Mm-hmm. And we've had to do that because we've had such increase in violent crime throughout the United States. We don't want to be unprepared for a catastrophic event that may happen here. And you can modify those, right? I think that's too where some people get sure. a little hung up. You can modify any gun, but that's illegal. Right. And there are laws on the books for that. So if that happens, we do have existing laws for those. We just don't always enforce them. <laughs> you know, or we don't know until it's after the fact, yeah. right? Because, I mean, I don't know that someone's ma- uh, altered their weapon. I mean, the same with the serial number on the weapon. That has to remain on the weapon. You can't obliterate that. That's that's against the law. Mm-hmm. But people do it, but we don't know until after that's the fact. The fact. So it's really hard. I mean, it's not like we're going and checking people's guns um, door to door. So, you know, it's one of those, um, I think, common fallacies that, you know, just because the gun looks big and bad that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I've heard people say all sorts of things. They're a weapon of war and the, mili- the, the military does not use the AR-15 and, and it doesn't stand for assault rifle. Uh, that is an armor light rifle. That's what AR that's stands for. That's a good clarification, for. too, because yeah. that's... People, people say that all the they time, do. and it's they just do. misinformation. Yeah. And, you know, that's what the show's about. We want to get the correct information out there and make people have an informed decision on which way they're going to go. Again, in your line of work, I mean, most people aren't walking around carrying AR-15s anyway, right? I would assume most people have a, some form of pistol. Most people have a handgun, correct. Um, you know, and I get a lot of, uh, well, you know, you're you're somewhere and they can see someone's gun, they're open carrying, which to me is just... That's silly, right? I, I, I mean, that's silly. Personally, uh, I'll say it. <laughs> outside of Sophia, the police officer, Sophia, the civilian, yeah. thinks that that's ridiculous. Yes. Uh, it gives away your tactical advantage. Yeah. And I see people in stores all the time. And, you know, if I were a bad person, I know exactly who I'm going to go for first. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take out the what's, people. What's the logic behind that? Are people like, I want everyone to know I'm carrying? I, I don't get it. Like, I, don't, I don't understand yeah. either. I think maybe some bravado is involved there. Yeah. Um, but for me, I think a concealed carry is the way to go because yeah. you can stealthily move about. You're not drawing attention to yourself. And sometimes that's what people want, attention drawn to themselves. We have people who will... Um, conduct these quote-unquote constitutional checks. So they'll open carry and trying to bait officers and then they're filming them to see if they're violating their constitutional rights and, you know, so there's just a whole slew. I mean, they do that all, the people do that all the time. There's several videos um, and, and I... 
I mean, I understand what they're doing, but it's really unnecessary. Can we just have a conversation? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, shaming people or or trying to bait people into certain situations is just not the way that you're going to get a good message across. That could be on all spectrums, right? Right, I mean, just right not just guns. guns. Yeah, that, yeah, that could be on all spectrums. I feel like this question comes up a lot um, for concealed permit carriers. You know, if, if I have a concealed weapon, and there are places that have signs that say no firearms or, you know, how, how does that work? Can, I, I obviously can't carry my firearm into that place, into that business, right? So if you go into someone's business or private area and you're carrying and they know you're carrying, they can ask you to leave. Now, if you want to forcefully say, well, no, it's my right to be here and I'm staying here. Well, we're going to come as the police and we're going to ask you to leave. And if you still refuse to leave, we're going to arrest you for trespass. Right. As I say, because at that point you are trespassing. Yeah, it's gun not a no crime to, leave. to necessarily have the gun on the in the private business. It's not like a crime that we can define. But trespassing after that private business has asked you to leave is a crime at that point. So, you know, I, I think people sometimes try to to make stands where it's really unnecessary. Um, and I think it just creates more problems. And it causes good o- gun owners to get a bad name, mm-hmm. right? Because oh, yeah. most Ruins people who are responsible owners know they're what they should and shouldn't be doing. And it's not, I'm not carrying this gun to draw attention to myself. I'm carrying this gun for, gun for self-protection, protection of others, including my family. Um, so I think, you know, when we when we look at cases that we see, and we see them all the time, right? There's snapshots on social media and things like that, and just people trying to take a stand. Um, but I don't want to draw unnecessary, um, you know, attention to myself in those kind of situations if I'm carrying. Can you please talk about background checks? The background checks are done federally, so um, the background check. Uh, every de- gun dealer that's selling you a gun is required to do them. So that is federal law. Uh, they'll call into a database after you fill out this big, long questionnaire about everything on there. Now, mm-hmm. if you misrepresent yourself or don't check the box correctly or give false information, that is a, that is a crime. You have to give uh, correct information. And then they call in and they run a background check. And then they say, yes, you can buy this or no, you cannot. Do you think I'm putting you really on the spot now? Yeah. Uh, do you think it's too easy to obtain a gun or that our system in place is effective. So this is kind of a thing that we, we've talked about because I, I think what, you know they're, they're asking people to be truthful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, I guess it depends on what manner of truth people are telling. Um, because sometimes I found in working with people with mental illness per se, that they don't always think that they're mentally ill. So if they're going in to buy a firearm and they're, they've got really nothing in their background, Um, criminally to prevent them from getting that. And they check the box that they don't have mental illness and everything checks out and they do receive their their permit uh, to buy the gun or they walk out of there and who's to know? I mean, who's to know that they've been committed or have have issues going on that may that should prevent them from having the firearm at this time? I mean, there are things that people go through that they probably shouldn't have a firearm, but then they get treatment, they make it better, and then, you know, they can petition a court to, to get those rights back. Is, isn't that what kind of where the the red flag laws come into play here, at least in Indiana? Yes, yes, we do have the red fla- mm-hmm. flag laws here. Um, but we're talking straight, are they able to obtain the gun? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we don't have this foolproof method of combining medical records with background information it there's 
until that law is changed, and that has to come from the legislature, mm-hmm. um, where we where there's report, reporting requirements, maybe from mental health professionals, if there has been an official diagnosis or or something like that. I, I don't know what the answer is. I, I'm sure we could, if people actually sat down and really wanted to address this problem, we probably could come up with some really good solutions. But as it stands right now, there's really nothing in place. So um, it's not to say that all mentally ill people are trying to obtain guns, because that's just not the case. But the few that may have issues that that are able to sneak through that because there's really nothing in the background preventing them mm-hmm. does pose a problem. When it does come then to red flag laws, I think there's a lot of misconception about that as well, that police officers officers can just come and obtain your guns uh, at, at any moment at any time. But that's not how those work either. No, I, I've actually used those. I've used it once in oh. my career. Um, are you allowed and, to tell us? I, I can't. I'll, do, I'll speak in general yeah. terms. I'm not going to name any names. But it was a gentleman. He had come into one of the fire stations, and he he didn't know where he was. He didn't know his name. He didn't know family. He didn't. Uh, he had no idea how he got there. Um, he almost like he'd had a mental break. And uh, I sat and I talked to him for about an hour, and um, <clears throat> one of the guys had gone out to check his car because we were going to see if we could find a you know, registration or anything like that inside the car that would, would help us kind of with the investigation and, and they find a handgun in the car. <clears throat> so he's talking to me and he then he starts expressing some suicidal ideation. And um, I, I was at that point just going to do a 24-hour hold on him for a mental check, uh, mental evaluation. So I did that and I took him and I seized that gun under that red flag mm. law. Now, I then have to fill out a bunch of paperwork, and it was a lot of work, and the laws had just come on the book. So I was really treading on water I was unfamiliar with. So I really, I wanted to get it right, so I made sure I contacted my supervisor, and we went over everything, and I had to fill out a bunch of information. And that goes to court the next day, uh, or within 72 hours. It has to be in front of a judge, because you were suspending someone's constitutional rights and I can't really do that without legal authority. And while I might have it temporarily, I still have to have the backing of the court. So that goes before the court. And they take what I've said and um, marry it with all the reports. And then they kind of come up with their consensus of should that gun be seized or not. And it still is temporary. I just temporary. Say, can't the gun owner still petition yes, that as the well? Yes, gun can petition. The gun owner can petition the court. At a, I think I want to say it's at least thirty days later oh, okay. to get that weapon back. Uh, in this case, um, he stayed in the hospital. He made the decision to seek treatment. Um, he was having a really bad time. And from what I understand, as I followed up on that, you know, through the court process, because we did go back, he did go back to court, but he voluntarily surrendered the gun because he knew he was not in a state that he should have it. And that was a huge, huge win for him in recognizing that within himself. Uh, But uh, again, following up later, I think it was two or three years later, I did get another um, uh, letter from the court stating they had reinstated him. He had provided that he had gotten treatment. And he was in a good place. So it's not that it's forever taken. It's just temporary until you get yourself right. And I think that's a really good thing. Now, is there potential for abuse by some people? Absolutely. That's, like every law. Yeah. But I know I worked hard to make sure that I was because I'm a big believer in the Second Amendment. So uh, I made sure that I wanted to get it right for him and make sure that he saved his life, Sophia. I, again, I'm just going to say it. That's... Maybe. I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. You know, um, 
I'll, I'll take the humble route because I don't know. And I don't want to speculate that he would have used that gun in, in a for ill intent to himself. But um, there was the potential for that, a high potential for that. And that's what those laws are there for, to help us help people. And like I said, we are in court within a two to three days over that, if not the next day. I didn't day. realize it moved so fast. For that, it moves incredibly fast. Yeah. Because it's so important, right? Because that's a constitutional mm-hmm. right. So, I mean, I, yeah, the other ones are freedom of, you know, um, curtilage and all that stuff. Uh, but that exponent, they just recognize that. And, and maybe it's because we are a more, more of a gun loving state mm-hmm. um, that the legislature recognizes, yeah, we want this to move fast. Speaking of the, of people, you know, taking advantage of laws, uh, something that we kind of brought up last week and I was really anxious to talk about are, are gun show loopholes. Right. Um, this is also a big misconception that you can just go to any gun show and just buy a gun without getting any kind of background check. Does that really happen? It does not happen on any kind of real measurable amount. So when you're talking gun shows, you're talking about dealers are usually the ones at the gun shows. Are there private people in there selling weapons? Yeah, but they make up a very small percentage of the overall gun show participants. So most of the people in there are gun dealers. And as a gun dealer, and when you get your license to do that, you are required to do the background checks. They're running checks right there as in the gun show to people that are selling firearms to. You just gun shows just aren't a free for all for anybody to walk in and buy. Now, on the pri- on if you have a private seller in the gun show, they can make a person-to-person transaction without running a background check. That can happen, and that's what they're talking about. Um, because, but it's not—it's not a gun. Sh- I, I, I think that's just a misnomer to say it's a gun show mm-hmm. loophole. It's just a loophole because I can do that from my house. Yeah, so you can do that I from can, the Walmart parking lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I can make that private gun sale yeah. um, anywhere. Yeah, but there are laws. That then again. I'll that. keep my mouth quiet on the comment that I was actually about to make about that, but I won't do that. But there are laws on the books that if I know that someone legally cannot obtain that, mm-hmm. I cannot still sell that to them. That's that's against the law. I have to know, you know, and I think most responsible, again, responsible non-criminal gun owners yeah. are not going to sell to someone they know legally shouldn't have it or can't buy it. I know we're talking about, you know, misconceptions when it comes from your average everyday civilians, Americans owning firearms but are there any as a police officer that you feel like you specifically run into it's just you know you just get frustrated i think when there's so many misconceptions about licensing and what people's rights are and they're very people this is one thing that people are very adamant about that they're right and it really takes a lot to you know and it's 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 a conversation any officer would be willing to have but not at the moment we're trying to do our job yeah Right. Um, At that point, I just want people because we're dealing with firearms, it's a high emotion, a high risk situation. I I would just like to say I would like people to just do what they're asked to do for their safety and my safety and any other officer's Mm -hmm. safety. Um, If you feel we've wronged you, the place to argue about that is not there at the scene. It's in court. And, you know, you'll have your day for sure. And if you think I've been rude or I've been, uh, you know, too strong in my enforcement or I was wrong in my enforcement, we have internal affairs you can go to. But for the sake of everyone's safety, I just wish people wouldn't argue about whether or not they can have that gun or they can't have that gun or what 
what is safe for me as an officer moving forward in that situation would be. Especially right there in that moment. Yes. Like you said, things yes. are heated. It's a very emotional. tense situation, especially when firearms are involved, and especially in today's climate, right? Ambushes are up over 140% for officers. Whoa. We've had more officers um, shot so far this year than all of last year. So it, it's always in the back of our minds that these things are are could potentially turn out bad. I mean, we've seen them go from relatively peaceful encounters to, you know, officer shootings. So it's just, it's difficult for us and it's always in the back of our mind and we train certain ways and we, we do things certain ways for our safety and for your safety. So it's not that I distrust you, but at the same time, I'm skeptical of everyone. It's not just you and it's not personal. Right. It's not like you're walking around trying to take away everyone's, uh, you no, know, no, I just want to be safe. Rights. I want to go home at night. Yeah. I have two kids that want to see me again. So I, I want to do what's best. And I know you probably have a family, too, that you want to go home and see. Absolutely. I know we're coming up on the end of the show here, but really quick, too. The other one that I think we need to bring up is online gun purchases. You can purchase a gun online, but it's not this willy-nilly thing. Right. And you can do that. You know, there are people that do sell online, but those guns have to be shipped to a federal firearms licensed dealer. And you still have to have a background check before you can obtain that gun and walk out of that. So you're not it's not like this gun. gun show loophole. You're just buying no. willy nilly online. No, they will not ship it to your home without a background check that from a federal firearms licensed dealer. So uh, what's coming up next week? I know I'm putting you on the spot because all I wanted to do was talk about guns for the past couple of weeks. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, this is kind of throwing me for a loop because this is all I was been doing for the past two weeks is self-defense and firearms. So, um, Well, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, we'll figure you know, it out. We'll figure it out. You'll just have to tune in tune next in for Saturday. for the mystery episode. That's exactly the mystery episode. I do know we're, we're coming up on the holidays, so I do want to kind of uh, focus in a little bit on that. I think we could all use a little bit of good news and, and some positivity as we're heading into the holiday season. So we'll see what we can find for you. Uh, if, this is, if this is your first time listening to Unholstered, uh, head on over to the podcast page. You can download Unholstered anywhere. You can download any podcast. All of our previous episodes are there. Until then, we'll see you next Saturday at 1030 right here on WoWo, your town, your team, your topics. This is Unholstered. Thanks for listening to Unholstered. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. And remember, you can listen every Saturday morning at 1030 on WoWo 1190 and 1075 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media.